Hi, friends. This is Heather Vickery. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Brave Files podcast. Do you work a lot and have trouble unwinding? Are you afraid of criticism? Do you procrastinate when you're asked to complete a project that someone else will see? Are your achievements wrapped up in your identity? Well, if you answered yes to any of those, then you might just be a perfectionist. This week, I chatted with Nicole Burgess of the Soul Filled Sisterhood podcast about being a recovering perfectionist and why it matters. The truth is, confronting your perfectionism is perpetual work because perfectionists are very much in their own heads and they're disconnected with the body. So it's important to make time in your life for things like meditation, gratitude, and light exercise. This will deepen the mind-body connection. But remember, human beings are resilient people and perfectionism isn't a death sentence. Stick with us and tune in to hear firsthand what can happen when people commit to unlearning misinformation and taking control of their own mind and body. This episode is chock full of goodness, so stay with us. But before we begin, I want to ask you something. Have you ever thought to yourself, I'd really love to start a podcast? Well, if you've thought this, but you haven't gotten started yet, then I invite you to join me and the experts from the Podcast Power Academy for a live Q&A session on why this is a great time to start a podcast and how to get started. Oh, and how to keep going once you start. This is a completely free event, but registration is required. So head on over to podcastpoweracademy.com to get all the details. Adventurous, spiritual, and creative. This is Heather Vickery, and you're listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. When we choose bravely in big and small ways, it powerfully elevates our lives. I hope these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement of courageous living that enriches both our lives and our communities. And if you enjoy the show, I ask you to please share it with others. Maybe think of someone who you want to choose bravely right alongside you. Thanks for tuning in. Now here's the show. Hey, everybody. This is Heather Vickery. Welcome to this week's episode of the Brave Files podcast. Really, really, really glad to have you with us today. Today's guest is a self-proclaimed recovering perfectionist. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I know a lot of people like that. Um, But she has a mission to help women break free from perfectionism so that we can change things for the next generation of young women. And as a mother of four daughters, I am 100% behind this mission. (laughs) Nicole Burgess is a licensed psychotherapist and a leadership coach to introverted, sensitive, high-achieving professional women. She is also the host of the Soul-Filled Sisterhood podcast and the founder of the Self-Care Summit, Improve Your Bottom Line and Your Personal Life. We have a lot in common, Nicole. I'm so excited to have you here. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Heather. (laughs) I appreciate your giggle when I was like, self-proclaimed perfectionist. Talk to us about that. Tell us a little bit, first of all, why it tickles you so much, because I think that's an important part of the story, and what that means to you to be a perfectionist. Well, so 
perfectionism is like a sneaky little someone named it a thief and I that word has really yeah. stuck with me yeah I feel because that yeah, it's like something you don't really know is going on until you start to get pointed out like, hey, you know, if you work a lot and you don't know how to unwind, that may be perfectionism going on. If you are so afraid of people criticizing you, there may be another sign of perfectionism going on. If you can't, you know, get a video out or your podcast out or some sort of work out because everything has to be, quote, perfect, oh, that would be a sign of perfectionism. Yeah. You are, you know, your achievements are really wrapped up in your identity. Oh, wait, there may be perfectionism going on. So as I've learned over the years, as my, you know, training uh, in grad school as a therapist, and now I'm a coach, all that stuff was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I struggled with that a lot. And I giggle because it's an ongoing work really, I was going to say battle, but really I'm more aware of it now. So it's easier to identify when perfectionism tries to show Mm. up and hold me back in my business or my relationships. But it's also helping others recognize what they're doing that may be holding them back because perfectionism is really trying to steal their joy. And the biggest piece of it is you're so worried about what other people will think of you. You stop being you. Absolutely. And there are so many things. I mean, I hear those. I I use the term limiting voices all the Mm -hmm. time. And I'm not sure that I've ever thought of them as rooted in perfectionism. But I know what I what I know from my own experience is that we're just taught as women that um, you shouldn't brag and you shouldn't want the center of attention and you should be able to do it all and you shouldn't ask for help and you shouldn't ever feel proud and like I mean blah 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 and so right and so we you know we both do the same thing in getting people to step out of that I really love this idea that that is rooted in the perfectionism that we are told we must possess as girls and women uh and you know what like shit is legitimately hard I Mm -hmm. I have clients I have friends who um yeah, they're women who have to work harder to get equal. And that, I, I legitimately don't see that changing anytime soon. No, but like it's changing a little, but it's yes. not changing big. Right. And I think that's key, though, right? All those small little steps that we all take as women when we come together and we're not picking on one another, when we're not putting yes. one another down, it helps with the, the shifting of all of this. Yes. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about, you know, in my coaching world, I, I help adult women with what's going on for there. But I also see it in my clinical world where I work with a lot of teen girls and that perfectionism, it's like a slow creeping that happens and it's starting younger and younger. And so if we can break it as adults, we can then help the next generation coming up, not get locked into that mindset of what they should be versus who they actually are and what calls them. I love that. I value that so much. I see it in all of my kids. Now, my my 15-year-old really manifests this perfectionism, which she, she's put on herself. I mean, they really all have because I, we don't expect perfectionism from any of them. But if she gets, you know, uh, a 98 instead of a 100, she's like in her room pouting. I'm like, yes. you worked your ass off. Why is that not okay? Like, yep. you know. But then I see it in my my littler ones. And my kids have all gone through a progressive education program. Mm-hmm. Called, it's at the children's school here in Oak Park, Illinois. So it's project-based, social-emotional-led, student-based learning. And they really – it is all about process. Like they're like, we need to fail so many times to get this right. And yet I see my fourth grader, my 10-year-old – 
she she's the kind of perfectionist that if she does not know she can ace it, she just won't even try. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm out. Now, we're right. working on that. She's getting closer. She certainly still gets frustrated. But it has been a lot of work to get her to try because you can't grow if you don't try and you can't Correct. grow if you don't fail. Correct. And what that what perfectionism does, you just named it. it. In the psychology world, we call that cognitive distortions. And it's that all or nothing thinking. Yeah. It's either all A's or I suck. Either yeah. I've got to be perfect or, you know, everything is just always going to be this way. It's the very black and white. And so talk quite a bit about embracing the gray or the messiness in between. And yeah. it's just being able, it's failing forward. It's remembering Absolutely. too that when you quote fail, failure is an event. It's not a person. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Quote it. We're quoting it. <laughs> well, I, that's from <laughs> Failure I can't is an event, not a person. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I read that from a different kind of mentor who's not even alive anymore, I don't believe. And I can't, I can't tell you who it is. It just blanked out of my head. But that, I just, I've loved that for so long. And I tell mm. that to the teen girls. I tell that to the women I work with. It's like fail forward because again, it's an event. It's not you. Yeah. And you know what's fascinating? It's really funny. So as w- this episode is going to air in the fall, but as we're recording, we're in the middle of the coronavirus mm-hmm. lockdown pandemic. And I um, I ran into, so our local ice cream parlor is retooling. Like, like so many other people that I know are like, how do I make money when everything's shut down, whatever? Mm-hmm. So they made St. Patrick's Day ice cream sandwiches and they sold them in advance and you went and picked them up and you kept your nice six foot distance from the person in front of you and all that fun stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and I ran into a friend whose son, so the schools here are doing distance learning, but mm-hmm. they've just informed us they can't grade it. Because they're Act of God days in Illinois, and Act of God days, you cannot record the grades. Oh, no. Now, the, my girls, I know it's particularly damaging to juniors and seniors who are trying to get into colleges, but yeah. my girls are still doing their work. They're like, well, I think that we're going to build on this, and I need to know this stuff anyway, and we're kind of forcing them to as parents. Mm-hmm. We're like, you still have to do schoolwork. Like, you, This is not a free-for-all. Well, his junior son said, whoa. They're not grading this. I am out. I don't have to do this. They can't build on top of this. With no, he did not care, was not worried about consequences. So he's figured out how to do just enough to get by successfully without the effort. And I just think that mindset of the girls versus the boys is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. We know through research that around the age nine, there becomes a big shift between girls and boys. And often they see that in the school systems that the differential treatment begins. And it's it's by the wording that happens. It's by our cultural messages that are going on. I recently gave a presentation mm-hmm. to some incredible women in, in the corporate world. And I was talking about the nursery rhyme about like sugar and spice and everything nice. That is what girls are supposed oh. to be, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so even those little <laughs> things... It's like, that's great, but that can get internalized as a kiddo of being like, okay, it's not okay for me to speak up, but it's not okay for me just to kind of skate by. I've got to work so much harder than, or if I work too much and they see me as intelligent, I've got to dumb myself down because then they're not going to like me. Yeah. God, it's so screwed up. It is. But I think think really as women, right, we can start to just acknowledge like, okay, this is a nursery rhyme. This is what it means. What do you take from it? And all these things can be learning lessons. So if your girls are like, no, they're being proactive and they're doing it and you you guys are setting the 
what do I want to say, the structure, because structure is very important for kids. Yeah. They need yeah. that to feel safe. To be able to keep that structure there and to have them, it's like, this is a learning opportunity. Whether you get the grades, mm-hmm. you don't get the grades, whatever, you're continuing to create new uh, connections in your brain that is really important. Absolutely. And one of the things you alluded to earlier, which I think is so incredibly important. We, you know, we talk a lot about the mean girls and I've know I've seen a lot of women on the in the corporate world who go, well, there's only enough room for one of us up here. So they push somebody down. They don't support the way that we would like to support. And that just continues to feed into this whole perfectionism mm-hmm. uh, thing that's been passed down for generations and generations. Mm-hmm. Um, are Do you believe that? And, and I mean, in my little bubble, Women really are working hard to love each other and support each other and understand that it's collaboration over competition and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any science behind it that shows us that this does eradicate to some degree this intense built-in perfectionism? Well, I think, you know, if to go back, I don't have any, like, actual sp- research specifics that come to my mind. But anytime we're trying to make it an us versus them, Brene Brown talks about that quite a bit in her work, right? On shame and vulnerability. When we're trying to, yeah, when we're trying to separate ourselves, all of a sudden the others, the thems become more like objects and we lose our humanness in that. So if I have the mindset, like only one can be on top and that is it. And I've got to bulldoze over anybody. It can also erode away your own compassion for yourself, for others. And then it's like you start to become less trustworthy as a leader and people stop respecting you. Absolutely. So so when we work together more around the fact of just like, yes, maybe there is truly one so-called manager, but how do you then help support the others that are now underneath you through that pyramid where you can really mm-hmm. help them with their skills through healthy leadership, through healthy mentoring so that they can keep getting the skills that they need. And maybe they're going to move on to a whole different department that can blossom because now you've figured out this is the skills that they have and mm-hmm. they are on fire in that area. I love that. I do work with, uh, I work with a a large accounting firm and Mm -hmm. a good majority of my clients there are women. And the head partner that's sort of my super fan that, that brought me in to do all this work. And I think she listens to the show. So, Hey, I know you know who I'm talking about. Um, She is an incredible example of just what you said, of Mm -hmm. uh, teaching the women to, we work together to teach people to lead from the bottom up? Like, how do you step into your role as a leader from the very beginning, the moment you walk in, it does not matter what your actual title is, because then you promote that up and you bring that energy up. And there have been a number of times where she said, listen, I want you to coach this person, even if they're not going to stay with the firm, because I want to see them thrive. And if this isn't the right fit for them, we will literally, I will help them find another job. Mm -hmm. And that to me gives me so much hope to see people doing that in the corporate arena. And I just, I hope everybody listening will think about who can you help mentor and and grow and shape. It reminds me, have you read Gabrielle Union's memoir, We're Going to Need More Wine? No, I have not. (laughs) It's a really good one. Highly, highly, highly encourage it. But she talks towards the end of, I listened to the audio book because it was really fun to hear her do it. Um, And towards the end of it, she talks about women in Hollywood and how really they have had to fight tooth and nail to get parts and get roles. And once you you age out, like what happens? And there's a young 
girl on the scene who everyone's like, oh, she's the young Gabrielle Union. She's the new Gabrielle Union. She was like, fuck that girl. Like, I don't want her to come in. I don't want to mentor because she met her at a party. And the girl's like, oh, my God, I love you. I would love for you to mentor me. And she's like, my head is going crazy. Like, I'm not going to teach you to be the replacement me. Like, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And then she went home and she was like, okay, wait, hold on. What would my life have been like if somebody had done it for me? And if I hadn't had to work so hard to figure it out for mm-hmm. myself, or what if I didn't have role models like Oprah or, you know, like things like that to help me in the industry. And of course, she went back and she's mentoring this girl. But like you have to go through this process of yeah. it does feel like, wait, I don't want to teach them to take my job, except there's there is room for everybody if we make room for everybody. Right. And I think, again, what you're talking about, really, you know, we've got various terms, right? Scarcity mindset, abundance mindset. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's so much about, okay, what what beliefs are getting in my way to make me think this is not an opportunity that I've got to somehow self-protect? And yeah. that's, again, where that per- perfectionism can kick up. It's like, nope, because I'm afraid of trying something new. Nope, I'm so afraid that somebody's not going to think that I'm really skillful in being able to do X, Y, and Z, so I'm just not even going to do it at all. And I love how she went mm-hmm. and she p- caught herself and then went back. I know Reese Witherspoon yeah. is doing something very similar in the Hollywood w- world. And their their series that they did, what is it, Little Lies, I think it was an HBO thing. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I watched it, like, the behind the scenes of these amazing women and the conversations that they had. But it's so much about having, you know, stronger leadership roles in, in Hollywood as women and not fighting against one another, but raising one another up. And it was just so beautiful how they did it and the, the material that was really charged for people. I love that. I think that's great. So, Nicole, for you, as you've been doing more of this work and you are recovering as a perfectionist, which I, I think what I'm hearing you say is it me- doesn't mean that you don't have those thoughts, but you can catch yourself mid-thought and mm-hmm. reframe them, right? Like they don't really go away. We just learn to manage them better Yeah, for the most part. Anyway, what would you say has been the biggest struggle for you? I think when I was starting out with my first business, which was the therapy business, it was really getting myself out there because you hit it. It's like, you know, don't 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 promote yourself. You know, no, you Mm -hmm. don't brag. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. I've got skills, man. I think I'm kind of qualified for this. I've been doing this for a while, just not trained. And now I'm trained. And then under that training, I got this and this. And it was making sure I just kind of slowly kept putting myself out there that I put an imperfect website out that I stated what I did imperfectly. And the more I did that, the more confident I got. And so now, yeah. you know, when people are like, oh, I'm not going to do video. I'm like, oh, I remember those days. I don't do a ton <laughs> of videos, but I used to be like, oh, I've got to do this. I don't wear a lot of makeup. A lot of people are like, oh, Nicole, you need to put more makeup on because you're going to look better. I've gotten so many, so much feedback from people over my lifetime of what I should or shouldn't do. And in my uh, 20s, I listened to that a lot. Yeah. And that kept me really following this dream. And then finally, I was like, enough of that. And I pivoted and I'm like, yep, I still hear a lot of that stuff. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much for your opinion. And I move on. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah you just get better when you do. Makeup is an interesting thing. And and every, because we've been told what's pretty and what's acceptable uh-huh. and what's not acceptable. And I'm here to tell you all, just like Nicole just did, you get to write your own rules. Yep. As long as you feel good and confident, I 
I throw on a little mascara and lip gloss, but that's it. Like, I don't, I can't handle a full makeup face unless yeah. I'm like literally like on ca- on camera, like on TV or something. And yes. then I understand why you need it. And I do it because it makes me feel better, not because mm-hmm. I think people are expecting it of me. And I don't always do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a Facebook Live just this morning in my coat, bundled up, my <laughs> hair pulled back, like nothing on. I'm like walking down the street, you know, we're, this is real life, folks. So, yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. I love that as a gift for everybody to like you. One one of the things that I tell all of my clients, and I did even when I was in the events industry, is I only have one rule for you to follow. And the one rule is there are no rules. You get to do whatever the fuck you want. Uh-huh. And you I get think to build that, it however that's you huge, want. though. Yeah. Right, Heather? I mean, because, again, we've got so many messages. Again, there's the big, big messages from world, then the culture, and then your own family dynamics, and then, you know, all this stuff. And that stuff gets so cemented in as young girls mm-hmm. that it's more mm-hmm. of that the awakening up as you become in your 20s and your 30s, again, when you got your full brain in your mid-20s. But just being able to go, it's okay for me to challenge that. And if you grew yes. up in a very healthy family, you get to challenge that from the very get-go. Yeah. But so many of us didn't have all that healthy role modeling. And so it's just like, oh, I get to do my own waking up and coming out of that trance mm. of, but I really can pave my own path? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's exciting and scary all at the same it, time. It is. And I love that you just said if you grew up in, in a household that teaches that, it's a lot easier. Another book that I loved is Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. You read that mm. one? No, I don't. Oh, man, I'm going to have these goodness. go on my library list, man, because I got a ton of things to read. I love it. <laughs> I know. Well, I'll tell you, I, I committed in 2019, I committed to the 12 Books in 12 Months Challenge. So, mm-hmm. um, And I ended up reading 31 books books. Uh-huh. It's a long process. I actually documented a lot of it. And this year, it's just going and going and going. So I, I've done a lot of reading, and it, it's been really wonderful to get back to it. But one of the things that he talks about, and he's particularly talking about um, low-income Black communities, and he's talking about low-income Black communities in freaking South Africa, right? Like mm-hmm. these people, we don't even know what poor is. Right. Um, and certainly for my, this, the privileged position I sit in, <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. I, I, can, I can imagine, I don't know if I can imagine it. I, I can I can honor that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what he says is we cannot dream of things we've never imagined. Yes. And so if you don't have a family that's teaching you to write your own rules or to screw up and try over or, you know, to be anti-perfectionist, you can't really imagine it if you don't see somebody else that you admire doing mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. which is why ladies uh, and and men too and non-binary folks, any of you, mm-hmm. we got to put our truths out there. We right. have to be our honest and authentic selves and, and we have to be vulnerable because that gives other people, we don't know who's watching, it gives them permission to try it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite, well, I've got multiple favorite books. I'm looking at my uh, little bookcase that is shoved <laughs> full of books. But, you know, I, I encourage people to really start with Brene Brown's, you know, Gift of I Imperfection. Yeah. That's a beautiful starting point. And then she talks about uh, Kirsten Neff in that book as well, which is the self-compassion book. And I think it's huge when you're dealing with perfectionism because that self-compassion, I so many women that I work with, they are so compassionate and empathetic to others. 
But that loud inner critic goes on, and I uh, and the fear gremlins Not is what I call themselves. them too. And it's like it tramples yeah. them down, and it wears away their confidence, and self esteem. And when you start to build up that self confidence, all of a sudden, or the self compassion is like, oh, so I made a mistake again. Like I tell my kid, so they didn't get the A plus. Whoop de doo dah. What did they learn from that? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. If you had to pick, I'm sure there have been a million wonderful things that have come out of this work that you're doing, but one surprise silver lining or one um, shockingly good thing that you hadn't anticipated, what might that be? Working with people, the first thing that came to my mind was just how incredible human beings are and their resiliency when they start to learn just a little bit about, oh, this was the misinformation I had, and whether it's psychoeducation or teaching them, it's like, and yet here's more of the truths, and they're able to step into that just literally to watch them blossom. Yeah. I mean, like it's a physical transformation for a lot of clients. Mm-hmm. It is so rewarding that I there's no way I could have ever anticipated how this work would have been this rewarding. Yeah. I love that. I would agree with that. That is very similar to my path. I, it seemed like a natural thing for me to step into, mm-hmm. but I couldn't have imagined how incredible it would feel to actually see people thrive and succeed and to get mm-hmm. the response from them and like see them doing the things that mm-hmm. that they weren't sure they could do when they started. It is a pretty yes. incredible feeling. I love that. Does the work feel brave to you? Oh, absolutely. Right. Because it's like you step into the unknown every single day. And that's what I, you know, really work with clients because often the fears and anxieties get in the way. And I'm like, oh, so let's lean into that. Oftentimes (laughs) they're kind of like, Nicole, that's just no. (laughs) (laughs) I was just on a coaching call with somebody this morning and I I suggested that she try something. She's an actor. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's on stage. Like you, you go into audition rooms and you get told no a hundred times a week. And then they put you on TV and you don't want to go on YouTube. Like what? Uh I don't, you know? um, And she was like, that scares the shit out of me. And I'm like, okay, well then that means we're onto something. So she's like, literally my stomach just fell. I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. They got to listen to that feeling. Like we, you know, you want to lean into that fear. That's what my, the, the brave method that I've created that I coach on is all about is, is using that fear and leveraging it. So mm-hmm. I, I love that. Okay. So as a recovering perfectionist and as somebody who helps other people not be perfectionists and build lives that, that the way that they want, do you have any personally, any grounding rituals or self-care practices that are non-negotiable. Um, how do you how do you teach yourself to do this on a daily basis? Well, the things that I do are, is truly what I teach my clients. So for, for me, I truly do read every single day about 20 mm-hmm. to 30 minutes, maybe not so much on the weekends, but during the, the week I do. And then I will meditate, and that can be anywhere from five minutes to 30 minutes. Again, that may not be every day, but mindfulness practices to me are part of my spiritual practice, and those are my non-negotiables. And then exercising, and that could be either taking a walk on the treadmill if it's crappy outside, or taking a walk outside, or doing some gentle stretching, because most of my clients, when perfectionism is going on, they're very much in their head and they're disconnected from their body. So mm, I'm reminding yeah. them to stay connected in your body because that's where so much good information comes from. But when you drop down, you can't be paying attention to all the thoughts either. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I think that's a great one. And I love that when you talked about exercise, this was not hardcore. You're not you're not doing an hour of of straight, you know, beach body workout, no. any, you know, that. It is just that mental and physical connection with your body and your mind and mm-hmm. right, I love that. I think that's a, such a gift y'all do that. I um just here at the beginning of 2020 decided and I'm not a physical person. I don't sport. Wait, joke. I don't sport ball. I don't do any I don't of either. That. <laughs> um and I have always hated working out, but I mm-hmm. I'm 45 and I can feel the th- body parts I didn't know I that existed before and I really <laughs> challenged myself to support my body mm-hmm. and to rewrite the story. Like my story had been I hate to work out so I'm not going to. Like well that doesn't have to be my story. My story can be I support my body. Mm-hmm. And so that has been 20 minutes of cardio a day, been going to the gym. Well, then the pandemic hit. And so now mm-hmm. I'm walking for an hour and I don't care what I'm doing. I'm, I may be taking a call, not a coaching call because I need to be present and taking notes when I'm doing that, but mm-hmm. networking, collaborating, listening to a podcast or an audio book, or just in silence. Um, I'm walking an hour a day and uh, I'm not, it's a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love it. Do you have a gratitude practice? I do. And so I know in research, right, for positive psychology has been around a long, long time. And they talk about yep. writing down the gratitude. And for me, it's like sometimes yep. I write it down, but often I just wake up and I'm like, okay, what's the first thing that comes to my mind about what am I grateful for right now? And yeah. when I do yeah. that, it gets you in that mindset of just like, okay, what is working well? Mm-hmm. It's also important, I think, to to kind of end your day in that and yep. so kind of going back for women, I know, especially the ones I work with, they're notorious for kind of breezing over what their wins were for the day. Mm. And I'm like, anchor it in. What are you grateful <laughs> for? What went well? Let's do this. Write that sucker down. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah it's a too. big deal. I love starting it, bookending with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have learned because, you know, I've written two books on, on gratitude. Mm-hmm. They're books and gratitude journals. And I have learned, it sounds like you have, to bring gratitude into the moments. Like when I find myself particularly stressed or angry or upset, yep. I will stop and breathe and recenter with with gratitude, you know, where, you know, where isn't this? <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. it's crazy, but where isn't it? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that is exactly why when I wrote my gratitude journals in both the kids and family version and the adult version, we have your, what you're grateful for and also what are your wins because you're yes. right it it's so easy to gloss over that and and make those not relevant but they have to be relevant in order to try newer harder more uncomfortable things you have to recognize what you've done well yeah and when we're in a space like if well if we get into that space of kind of the for lack of a better phrase doom and gloom it's really easy for yeah. our brain to keep focusing on all the stuff that isn't working. So when you have written these wins down, you can go back once a week. You can go back once a quarter. And you're like, oh, my gosh, look at all these yes. things that I've done, yeah. big and small. And Love all of a it. sudden you're shifting where your focus is and you're shifting your mood level to go right with it. Uh-huh. And I just, I love, I love that. And That's it, the name of my first book, Shift Your Focus. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it, but so, it's, I love it. We're so simpatico on it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I just, it's so important because we know as we're taking action, whether it's perfect, imperfect, which really we know there's no perfect thing in there. But every time you're doing that, you're building your own confidence. That's where you're gaining that momentum. Yeah. And it's just like, you get to see yourself truly grow, even if it's all messy. It's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I like that you just said that. You get to see yourself grow even if it's messy. And it almost needs to be messy. Yeah. Like if it's not messy, you're back to perfectionism. Right. If, if it works <laughs> Got perfectly. Got it all tidied up in my you, little you're box. You're good. <laughs> I know. I'm telling you, the oldest kid I talked about who likes to have the A plus from the time she was a tiny human, um, the kid can't freaking fail. Like, uh-huh. I, I don't know. She thinks she can. In her head, she can. But she doesn't. And we used to tell the teachers at school, could you please put her in a position where she can't possibly win? Uh-huh. Because she's got to learn to fail. And they would. And she still wouldn't <laughs> fail. Like, how the hell? She's hey, gifted. But it's, I, I guess she's gifted, but it's biting her in the ass right now because she was then set up even, like, somehow that she could always be perfect except – she can't, and then now she's put herself in her own mental trap, mm-hmm. yeah. which is crazy. Um, Nicole, one of my favorite questions that I get to ask every week, and uh, I meant to tie this in, and I got I had to laugh because I, I don't know I don't know somebody who can't fail other than my kid um, <laughs> uh, is is about celebration, and we talked about gratitude, and we talked about wins, and I think this ties in so nicely. Um, how do you like to celebrate success and how important do you think that is? I know for me to keep from perfectionism creeping back and running things in my life, I need to celebrate that success. Yeah. So often what I do is I've got a small handful of women that I will share what I'm doing when I'm sticking myself out there and being vulnerable and taking risk. Nice. And when things go well, don't go well, whatever, I share that with them and that feedback of just like, woohoo, you did it. You put yourself out there. Yay! Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, I did. Oh, my gosh. Even with the butterflies, I still did it. And it's all okay. Yeah. And then I yeah. also like to write it down. And again, I may not do this on like a daily basis, like, oh, I did this today. It's like I may pick out one or two things. But those those things that are really like, this is something I am really going for. And I'm I feel it's a huge risk for me, quote unquote. It's just like, I want to make sure I document that. It's like, girl, look back at this. Look at what you've done over all these years. It's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Can you tell folks a little bit about your podcast, Soul Filled Sisterhood Podcast? Um, And also, I'd love to hear more about the the self-care summit and and. Yeah, share that with folks. Yeah, well, the self-care summit it happened last year, and I had these incredible women on it, and they talked about being entrepreneurs. They talked about the self-care they did as female entrepreneurs and what they did. So I have that available nice. for people, yeah, to go out and watch that stuff. And the Soulfield Sisterhood, I really, I had done a previous podcast, which was truly geared around teen girls, and. I was like, I want something bigger because I know the shift often starts with the adults. And I I wanted to, for me, I like to do the spiritual work. I like to really talk about soul. And I know that doesn't fit for everybody, but it's like, what's your, you know, what are you called here to do? And so my podcast really talks with various women from all over and all through different things about, you know, their work, who they are, why they do what they do. Many of them are highly sensitive and or introverted. The fears that they face, the celebrations that they do, you know, the message, the mission that they're on. So there are a lot of change makers that are on the podcast. And I just find it fun because it keeps me stretching me when I meet people. Yeah. Which I love. 
I, I love that. And so I people can listen anywhere. Wherever they're mm-hmm. listening to this podcast, they can listen to yours. Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes. <laughs> nope. I love it. I think it's a great show. I've checked out a few episodes. I think it's a lot of fun. So if you guys like this one, you're going you're gonna to like the Soul Filled Sisterhood podcast. So be sure to check it out. Share the love. I think that is so important. Nicole, this has been so much fun. Now I get to ask you what one of my favorite questions, which is what is your favorite charitable organization to support? Yeah, so locally, it's called the Gleaners Food Bank, and I donate like every single year because we have a lot of people in the area that are in poverty, and to me, it's like if you've got hungry stomachs for your kids, they're not going to be able to focus on schoolwork. And yeah. so being able to have food in your stomach is a big core kind of first first thing to get filled, and that's one of the, the charities that I work with. I love that. That was an important one. And so every week, listeners, I ask you to get to know them. And if you're not in, where are you located? I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, we haven't talked about that. That's hilarious. That's where I grew up. (laughs) Have you always been there? No, I have not. Been here for for probably about because I was like decade now. But no, I have. I was not. I grew up about two hours north of here. Okay. All right. I guess I was like, did we go to high school together? It's a big school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Could have been. It's such a small world. Awesome. Okay. So uh, if you're not in Indianapolis, you have a food bank. You have mm-hmm. a food pantry. Go and support them um, with whatever you can. We actually have a little free pantry. So we have a little free library in front of our house. We're big fans of sharing books and things like that. But in front mm-hmm. of our public library is a little free pantry. And our community got together and everybody took a day of the month where we were responsible for filling the little free pantry. And oh, I'll tell beautiful. you what, we fill it on the 16th of each month. And we Within an hour of putting, you know, stocking it full of groceries, it's gone. Yeah. Every week, every day. It's incredible. So I love that. My my call to action for you listeners is to go out and do something in service of what Nicole's favorite charitable organization is. Because if this pandemic that I I mean, and like I said, this is airing in the fall, who knows where we will be? We could just be, this could be like a long distant memory, or we could all still be locked in our houses. (laughs) I don't know. It's funny. I'll I'll, I'll record a fresh pre-roll for this. So we'll I'll I'll speak to it um, when the episode is actually going to air. But if this has taught us anything, it's that we have to come together as a community to support each other, even if it's from six feet apart. Correct. (laughs) If we're social distancing, we need each other. And actually, the act of social distancing is uh, a community support system. Mm -hmm. We are saving each other's lives. So thank you so much for sharing that. Nicole, will you share your three words with us one last time? Yes. Adventurous, spiritual, and creative. So I love them. I think they're wonderful words. We talked about spiritual a little bit. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts quickly on adventurous and creative and why you picked them, what those mean to you. So adventurous, I love to go to new places. And I think for me, me, my biggest adventure was moving out of Indiana and going to grad school in California, not knowing anybody, and then creating my own business. And then creative goes back to being an entrepreneur, but also I am a big fan of the fiber world. So I'm a weaver, spinner, and a knitter. And so I get to do my creative outlet as well through there. I love that. That's so fun. Well, thank you so much for for being here. I love your your light and your energy. Uh, I love that, you know, we're out doing this similar work because we can't do it all alone. And so Mm -hmm. I'm so glad to always meet somebody else who's doing this incredible work and helping other people rise up. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me on, Heather. 
All right, y'all. So what are you going to do with this? What what brave new thing are you going to do? How are you going to push yourself? How are you going to set up your day for success uh, and not let those limiting voices and those stories that we've been told since we were little dictate how we move through our lives? How are you going to fail forward a little bit? I would love to hear from you. You can give me a call at 312-646-0205. Tell me what you think. What are you trying? How are you choosing bravely? And you can let me know what you think of this episode or what you'd like to see in a future episode. I listen to everything directly and I will respond to you personally. So bring those calls in. And if you love what we're doing here at The Brave Files, and I hope that you do, I would love to see you join our Brave community via Patreon. This is something that we cannot do without you and without your support. You can reach us at www.patreon.com slash bravefiles. There are a load of different tiers that you can join us and you can get cool prizes uh, and also just be part of this cool movement. So check us out there. This is Heather Vickery. I'm so glad you were here with me today. I'm reminding you today and always to go out and choose bravely. Hey, friends, I want to share something really exciting with you. We already know you enjoy listening to podcasts because you're listening to this one, but I'm also betting you enjoy audiobooks. And hey, listen, if you don't already enjoy audiobooks, then it's time to check them out. That's why I'm really excited to share Libro.fm with you. They are an incredible new platform for listening to audiobooks. And by choosing Libro.fm over other audiobook services, you are supporting a local bookstore of your choice and investing in your local community. Libro.fm offers over 150,000 audiobooks via their primary platform, which, by the way, they built with love and from scratch because they're a small business also. They even offer bookseller recommendations for great audiobook options. You can sign up right now via www.vickeryandco.com slash librofm. That's vickeryandco.com slash L-I-B-R-O-F-M. And when you do, you'll get one free audiobook of your choice and the proceeds will go to your favorite local bookstore. Now, check what I just said there. You're going to get a free book. And the proceeds are still going to go to your local bookstore because Libro.fm makes sure that their booksellers get paid even when they give a promo to customers. I've listened to over 20 audiobooks this year alone. I especially love listening to memoirs read by the author. And it feels great knowing that all of my purchases support my local bookstore, The Book Table, in Oak Park, Illinois. Libro.fm. The same audiobooks, the same price, but a completely different story. Check them out right now at vickeryandco.com slash librofm. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. To learn more about the show, find our show notes, or get some great bonus content, visit thebravefilespodcast.com. And we'd love to know what you think. You can give us a call at 312-646-0205. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, the show in general, or maybe share with us how you're out choosing bravely. This episode is brought to you by Vickery & Co. Success Coaching, coaching that helps you maintain a life well-lived and a business well-run. Learn more at vickeryandco.com. Our music is produced by Matt Lewis. Follow him on Instagram at mattmmusic or visit his website, theunionband.com. 
We couldn't do any of this without our extraordinary audio engineer, Andrew Olson. Learn more about him and check out his work at findandrewolson.com. And special thanks to our associate producer, Kim Statler. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week.